Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the Summit Church Podcast. We want to connect you to a relationship with God and all that He has in store for you. We hope this inspires you, strengthens your faith, and gives you hope to live out your best days now. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. How are you doing? You happy? You healthy? Where's all the Rise Youth people at? All right, wait. I'm going to talk to the older generation for a moment. Where are the older generation at? All right, young people, this is how it's done, okay? Where is all the young people at? All right, by the end of camp, we're going to get you shouting and screaming louder than that, that's for sure. Well, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me in San Antonio. How hot is the weather here? My goodness. I thought my wife was hot, and then I came here, and I was like, my gosh, the Lord is good, and uh, so good. Anyone ever, I I love this, what's what's your name here? Jacqueline? Attractive? Uh, What is it? Attractor. Attractor. Your hair is amazing. I'm like, that is incredible. And uh, did it take you long to get it done this morning? Not really. It's cool. It's a very cool hairstyle. I love it. Um, so what was I saying? Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. It's hot. It is hot in, in, in Texas, in San Antonio. Uh, but here's one thing, that the presence of the Lord is here in this place. And it is very cool in this place. Anyone thankful for air conditioning this morning? Uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be here, and uh, I, I said in the first service, just wanted to honor Pastor Rick and Cindy Godwin, and uh, these guys have had um, an impact on the church globally, um, they've had an impact on Hillsong Church. I came to faith in 2001, I was running nightclubs in Sydney, I was on drugs, my life was a big mess, and I had an encounter with Jesus. And I'm so grateful for his grace. Uh, But Pastor Rick came over many times in those years where it was formative of my faith. And uh, so many of his messages he preached were words in season that helped me personally on my journey. And uh, I know many others. I was talking about how um, he preached a message. Maybe you've heard it called Players and Posers. And the week after that message, we had our small group, Connect Group. And a whole bunch of the young guys were talking about that message in Connect Group and, and how they decided, I want to live for Jesus and, and how it really made them kind of reflect on their faith and not just be someone who sits in the crowd, but actually someone who plays on the field and walks their faith out. And uh, all of those guys that were in that Connect Group are still on fire for the Lord, which is good to know. And they, uh, they are loving the Lord. And so I just want to say thank you for the years of ministry and service and for building this incredible church. But also just for the last three years, I know it's been hectic for pastors and leaders all around the world. And I could say firsthand that the last three years has been the hardest years of ministry. For me, I've been on staff for 15 years at our church, and the last three years have been very challenging and very difficult because of the world that we live in. And so to turn up week in, week out, constantly praying and believing for your church and constantly getting up here, preaching messages of faith and hope, um, I just wanted to say thank you. We honor you today, and uh, you guys are blessed. You guys are blessed. You have an incredible, incredible pastors. Um, I want to speak a message today just for a few moments. Um, I'll give you the title in a second, um, but I'll give you some context to why I'm speaking this message. So in in November 2020, um, 
I got hit with COVID and uh, it was the, the really heavy case. And I actually had long COVID for eight months. And so every day I had headaches, I had bone aches, um, body aches, and I was really struggling. I was in pain and I didn't ever think it was going to leave. I just didn't know what to do. And I was going to get uh, uh, tests on the heart and on the brain and all of these kind of things. And I went and seen some holistic doctors and thank God I got a breakthrough and um, I'm feeling well now. But it was a long journey of really challenging season. And in November every year, me and my wife usually take some time to pray and ask the Lord for a word for our family personally that we can, you know, it'll be our year of and we, we, we determine what year that would be. And so in 2020, my, my wife said, I feel like despite everything that's happening, uh, we want to remind ourselves of how grateful we are for God's goodness and grace. And so we came up with this thing where we do a blessing jar and our kids, my wife and myself, would write down things we're grateful for. Like psychology will teach you, if you're going through a tough season, get a journal out and write things that you're grateful for and it helps your thinking through the season. And so we did that and we would take a little piece of paper and write some things we were grateful for. And some of them were little things like my, my little son would say, Jensen, he would say, I'm grateful for my toy dinosaurs and he'd put that in there. And others are like, I'm grateful that we have food on our table or grateful that we have a bed to sleep in. And so we'd put that in and then once a month we would open it up at the dinner table and we would kind of talk about that. And it was kind of set our year up to be grateful for 2021. Well, at the end of 2021, we started to pray and ask the Lord what he would share, what he wanted to put in our family or a word for our family. And the Lord led me to Psalm 27. And so Psalm 27 is a Psalm of David. And David had a whole lot of stuff going on in his world. It talks about in that Psalm, if you read it, it talks about how wars were breaking out, that armies had besieged him, that he was filled with fear and, and there was all sorts of stuff. And he makes a determination that he wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, despite what was going on around him. And he comes to this verse in Psalm 27, verse 13, and he says, I am confident of this, or I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Now, David was filled, his world, if you read Psalm 27, was filled with madness, wars, crazy things were happening all around him outbreaks, all of that kind of stuff, fearful things. People were attacking David. And David made a decision that I will, I will remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of God in the land that I live in. And listen to what it says in the NASB. It says, I would have despaired of life itself unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Maybe you're in here this morning and you felt like the last couple of years, maybe the last year, maybe this last season has been overwhelming. And you're in here and maybe your body is filled with pain or maybe your relationships are filled with uh, trauma or maybe you've been through some tragic circumstances. Maybe you're here and you're an African-American person and you have experienced some of the, uh, uh, the racial trauma that has gone on and it's deep because it's in your culture, it's deep within your wombs. And, and, and so there's a whole lot of stuff that people have been experiencing. There's fear, there's, there's, there's politics, there's all sorts of things that have gone and in our world uh, over the last few years. And maybe you're here today and you feel overwhelmed. Well, I want to speak this message to you this morning and hopefully it encourages your spirit and lifts your head because the Bible says that God is the lifter of our heads and we're going to believe for God to do something in and through this message in your hearts today. Amen. And so I want to declare over you today that you can be confident in the goodness of God 
that you live in. Amen? Why can you be confident? Why could David be confident in the, in the goodness of God? Because he knew what the Bible says. And the Bible says, you are good and you do good. God is good all the time. And all the time. Okay, so God is good. And all the time. Okay, so here it is. Is this just a saying that we say in church? Is it something that we sing? Or is it something that we believe that despite the circumstances, despite the situation, despite the economic climate, despite the hot weather, that God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Amen? Okay, so this is the world that we're living in currently. We've experienced a whole lot of things, but in the last few years, um, we have had a whole lot of division when it comes to politics, when it comes to war, the war in Russia and the Ukraine, all of those kind of things that have been pumped at us on our screens. Uh, the media has hyped up so much stuff and has driven fear into people. Um, we've also experienced racial division and trauma and all of these things, pandemic, are co complex issues. And I'm not going to try and solve these things today because I can't possibly solve these things. But one thing that I do know is this is the world that you and I are living in right now. And some of us have, are, are, are leaning to one side and some of us are leaning to another side on all of these different complex topics. But the reality is, is if, if I'm honest today, one of the things that I constantly hear people say to me, and you've probably heard this, is the world's gone mad. Have you heard that? So in the madness and the badness, I want to teach us today how we can still see goodness. Because David, in the midst of his madness and in the midst of his badness and all of the stuff that was circling around him, he makes a decision that I'm going to believe that I will see the goodness of God in the land that I live in. Amen? So can we pray this morning, and then I'll give you the title of this message. Father, I thank you that you love these people in, Hill, in San Antonio, Texas. God, I just declare, Father God, whatever's going on in their world today, God, that you would speak to them, that you would invade their space this morning. And Father, that you would speak something that would encourage them, lift their heads, and build them to become all you've called them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you're taking notes, the title of this message is, Can You See the Yellow Car? Can you see the yellow car? We have this game that we play with our boys, uh, Jaden and Jensen. They're 13 and 11. And if there's any parent in here, you would understand that you have to come up with creative ways um, on road trips to keep your kids entertained. Otherwise, all you hear is, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? How long do we have left? It's an hour drive. Two minutes later. How long do we have now? It's 58 minutes. How long do we have now? Look, we just talked about this two minutes ago. We're still a long way away, right? So you understand where I'm going. But this game that we play is can you see the yellow car? In Australia, they call it spoto. And that's just what Australians do. Instead of spotting, they, they, they make words. Uh, they take big words and they make them small. Uh, they love to abbreviate things. So like, for instance, Brendan in Australia, people call me Brendo. 
And, um, and so if your name is Jacqueline, they'll call you Jack, you know, um, and they'll shorten. If your name is Gareth, they'll call you Gaz, you know, um, this is the way Australians do it. So we take this game, spot the yellow car, we call it Spotto, right? And so we're driving the car and, and the, the key to the game is if you see a yellow car, it's one point. If you see um, a yellow truck or a van, it's worth two points. If you see a lime green truck, it's worth 10 points. And if you see a yellow punch buggy, you win the game and the game restarts. And so we drive around and, and our kid's like, there's a yellow car, there's a yellow car. And, and, and we add up all the points and, and all of that kind of stuff. But this game um, that we play, I was on the way to Utah. And this is how this message kind of came about. And as I was driving to Utah, I was sitting out there just looking um, into the, the, the salt lake, um, what do they call it? The, uh, it's, all, it's salt, like the salt plains, sorry, the salt plains. And I'm driving out there and my wife's driving and I'm looking out, just leaning on things. And I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this game that we play. And he said, Brendan, I, I want you to understand that despite the red cars and the blue cars and the white cars and the black cars on the road, which actually seem like there's more of those on the road than the yellow cars, the yellow cars are still on the road. And I feel like the Holy Spirit put on my heart that despite everything that you're seeing, whether they're red cars or, or blue cars or white cars or black cars or orange cars, he goes, there's still yellow cars on the road. Despite the madness and, and the badness, God is still good. This is what I'm trying to help you understand today. And I want, you to, I want to associate a yellow car with the goodness of God, so that when you walk out of here today, in your week, when things aren't going so well, or things might come up in the office, or things go wrong in your marriage, that when you're driving along, you're reminded of the yellow car, and when you see a yellow car from this day forward, you will go, God's goodness. God's goodness is still here. God's goodness is still around me. Amen? I, I just had a young, uh, a young father come up to me at the end of the last service, and he said, man, I had a week from hell and he said, but i got to tell you, after that message, the first thing I'm doing is I'm going to the shops and I'm going to buy a toy yellow car and I'm going to put it on my desk. And I'm like, that's exactly what you need to do is to remind yourself of the goodness of God. Amen? Is this okay? Is this all right? Okay, so I want to teach you four things this morning on how to see the yellow car, how to see the goodness of God. Amen? Number one, if you're taking notes this morning, goodness is a way of seeing. Goodness is a way of seeing. You know, we went to um, Florida, and I was preaching at a conference in Florida, and then we went to another church, and I was preaching there as well, and took my kids to Disneyland, and we walked into an ice cream store as well, and we went to um, Cold Stone, creamery, creamery ice cream, and so we're standing there in the line, few people deep, and, and, and I'm saying to the boys, hey, what do you guys want? And they're looking and looking and trying to decide, and so we get to the, to the line, and we get to the front, and the lady says to me, oh, what can I get you? And I said... Jaden, what do you want? And Jaden says, oh, I, um, can I taste test the chocolate ice cream? And so she says, sure. And she gives him a little sample. And he looks at it and he tastes it. And he's like, Dad, that is so good. I want chocolate. And so he, he gets the chocolate ice cream. And then Jensen, my 11-year-old, well, at the time he was eight, he, um, he came up to the, to the front counter and, and he looks at the board and, and he's just standing there. I 
I'm like, dude, hurry up. We all, I told you at the, when we walked into the store to start your choice, and, and you've taken so long, and now there's more people waiting, and, you know, frustrated dad, now I'm sitting there. And, and he's like, like, dude, hurry up. It's not that hard. And, and he's like, dad? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I can't read the board. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't read the board? I'm like, it's right there, strawberry, you know, chocolate, vanilla bean, coconut. Like, what do you mean you can't read the board? You're eight years old, man. And he's like, I can't read the board. And so my wife, who wears glasses, puts her glasses on Jensen. And Jensen's like, oh, my gosh, I can see. I'm like, what? And he goes, it's so clear, Dad. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I am like the worst father in the world right now. Like my son is blind and I didn't even know it. And then, and then all the pennies start dropping, right? I'm like, yeah, that explains why when I throw a ball to him, he can't catch it. So then all of these condemning thoughts start happening. I'm a, I'm a bad dad, I'm a bad dad. Anyways, so it, 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 the funny thing is that he obviously gets his ice cream and eats it and we took him to an optometrist and... and they realize that his eyesight is worse than my wife's. And um, I mean, you know my wife's eyesight is pretty bad choosing someone like me, right, as her husband. Um, and, but anyways, um, she, yeah, so we get him glasses and all that kind of stuff. But I, I really felt in that story that the Lord showed me, hey, you know what? Sometimes all you need is a perspective change. Sometimes all you need is to change the lens that you've been looking through. Because if you look through a certain lens long enough, you actually begin to believe that's true. But all, all, you, all you need today is something like the lens of heaven. You know, remember those, those movie things that you used to grow up with and you click it and it, it changes the frame? Does anyone remember that or I'm just too old, right? Yeah, okay, and you click it and you see a new thing. Well, that's exactly like the lens of the grace of God, that God's grace will come upon you and you... Oh, wow, I've been looking at it one way, but in fact, I actually need to see it this way. Remember Paul the Apostle? Paul the Apostle was so hell-bent on doing what he thought was right, and all of a sudden, he has an encounter with God on the road to Damascus, and all of a sudden, his eyes are opened, and he becomes a completely different guy because he used to persecute the church. Now he's preaching the gospel to see people saved. All that happened was a lens change. And sometimes if we're not careful, we get so caught up scrolling on social media that we start following certain individuals and we start to see the same comments and the same posts and then the, the algorithm pushes more of that same that we're liking or following and we start to see things one way. But what about if God says, today, I want to change the lens. Today, I want you to start to see it not through the way media pushes it, but through the grace of God, through the lens of Scripture, through what God says in His Word about you and about your situation. Psalm 34 verse 8, it says this, Open your mouth, taste, open your eyes, and see how good God is. Blessed are those who run to Him. I love this because David in Psalm 27, it basically says that despite what was going on in his world, he says, blessed are those who dwell in your house and run to it. He has this revelation that the best place to be is in the presence and in the house of God because it changes your lens. Amen? Taste and see. Experience God's, God's goodness. 
I experienced God's goodness last night with Aaron and uh, Christian, one of the guys who is here. Uh, he's preaching at the camp as well. He's from New York City. And we tasted and seen God's goodness in the form of brisket. I got to tell you, Texas barbecue, salt lick. Has anyone ever been to salt lick? Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. That stuff melted in my mouth like butter. I am like, wow, it was amazing. But you know what? Unless I tasted it, unless I experienced it, I could never talk about how good it was. Hey, well, what about the goodness of God? Taste, see His grace, His goodness, His mercy, His favor, and all of a sudden, you'd be able to confess the goodness of God. Amen? Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 6. It says, your eyes are windows in your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. But if you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a musty cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. In, in the NIV, it says this, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. Very important how you see. Because what you see is the window of your soul. What you take in through your eyes ends up becoming the revelation in your heart. As I was preaching this message in San Francisco, we had um, people walked out of the service and they started Instagramming yellow cars and tagging me in Hillsong San Francisco in it, which was pretty cool. But I want to show you one of them. Um, I think they got on the screen here. And this girl, she had, um, she looked out of her apartment block when she got home from church and she sees like three yellow cars in the car park. And she says, God's goodness is all around, all along. And here's the thing. God's goodness is not the yellow car. But what I'm trying to help her do is that when she sees the yellow car, she's reminded that God is for her. And so I'm not saying, I mean, some of you like are going, yes, I drive a yellow car. I drive in the goodness of God. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Believe that. That's fantastic. But the yellow car is not the goodness of God. God is the goodness of God. But the association that you make with the yellow car from this day forward, I pray, would be something that reminds you when you're having a bad day, when you're having a challenging circumstance, that you see a yellow car and you go, you know what? God works all things together for our good. Amen. Number two, goodness is not just a way of seeing. Number two, goodness is a way of thinking. See, the way you see will de be dependent on the way you think. And what goes on in your mind and in your heart is very vital to the fruitfulness of your life. Listen to what it says in uh, Luke chapter 6. Jesus is speaking. And he said, No good tree bears bad, fr bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own Fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man, listen, or a good woman, brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart. And an evil person brings out evil with the evil stored up in their heart. For the mouth speaks, listen, what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If the heart is full of gossip, the mouth speaks it. If the heart is full of criticism, the mouth speaks critically. If the heart is filled with goodness, the mouth speaks 
goodness. There's an attachment here that happens between what goes on in your heart and what comes out of your mouth. It's the way of salvation, which simply says when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so what goes on in your heart is important to what comes out of your mouth. It's a way of thinking, what you meditate on. That's why Proverbs chapter 4, it says this. It says, my son or my daughter, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Do not let them out of your sight, seeing. Keep them within your heart, thinking. For all they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows everything. Everything in your life flows out from what's going on inside your heart and your mind. It's the reality of life. That's why I say this. Don't focus on fixing your problems. Focus on fixing your thinking, and your problems will take care of themselves. But this is what Jesus taught us through the Scripture. In Romans, Paul writes it. Romans chapter 12, he says, Do not conform to the divisions or the theology of the world that we live in, but instead of being conformed to this, he says, be transformed to this by the renewing of your mind. That word renewal of the mind is the word metanoia, which is the Greek word for um, to, to be renewed. It's, it's repent. It's to change one's thinking. Some people think repentance is to say sorry. It's actually not. Because have you ever got a, if you've got a kid, I know this firsthand with my boys, uh, there's times where our boys do something that they know they shouldn't have done, and they come running to you, and they say, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm like, cool, no worries. And they'll say, do you forgive me? I go, absolutely, I forgive you. I love you. You know, go for it. Just don't do it again. And they're like, cool, no worries. And then the next day, they do the exact same thing. And so they, in our minds, we start thinking repentance is, dad, I'm sorry, dad, I'm sorry, dad, I'm sorry, dad, I'm sorry. And we, we treat God like this. God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. And God's like, you don't have to be sorry. You just have to repent. Well, what's repentance? Repentance is, God, this is my way of doing it, but now I recognize your way of doing it, and so I am changing my mind to do it this way. I see the world's way of doing it. It ends up in turmoil. It ends up in hatred. It ends up in division. But God's way of doing it brings grace, unity, love, kindness. But how do we do that? We have to renew our mind. And so our thinking is vitally important for the success of our lives. Amen? Is this okay? All right, Psalm 145 says this. I will meditate or think or ponder or reflect or rehearse. That's what this word meditate is. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. They shall speak of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory, listen, of your great goodness, and I shall sing of your righteousness. And so the scripture here is talking about when you begin to think about God's goodness, when you begin to reflect on the good things God has done, 
when you begin to see his love, when you begin to understand his, his forgiveness, the more you rehearse that, the more you reflect on it, the more that becomes part of your heart, and then out of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so it becomes a declaration of your life that despite the circumstance that you're going through, despite the situation, despite the pain, despite the storms that you're going through, you can see the madness and badness, but you also go, but God is good. Amen? Max Licardo says this, he says, Fear corrodes our confidence in God's goodness. Now, I have up here the word pandemic, and there has been obviously the COVID-19 pandemic, which many of us have either faced or known someone that has gone through a struggle with it. Um, but on top of that, there's vaccinations. On top of that, there's mask mandates. All of those kind of things. There's been a wrestle and a division, and there's been a pandemic. But I really believe that that's not the greatest pandemic that we've faced. I believe the greatest pandemic that we have faced as humans, is the pandemic of fear. Fear of isolation, fear of insecurity, fear of depression, fear of death. Like there's been so much that has come at us in the last few years. But here's the thing. God is not the author of fear. The devil is. And the Bible says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And so if, here's the thing. The power of God operates in your life when you understand the love of God. And when you understand the love of God, it gives you a sound mind. But fear does the complete opposite. Fear tries to rip down God's love for you. It tries to condemn you. And then what happens is instead of having a sound mind, you begin to get confused. And then all of a sudden you lose your power. But the Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of love, power, and sound mind. And that's why the scripture says in John, it says, and perfect love casts out all fear. So how do you grow in that perfect love of God? You meditate. You think on it. You reflect. I love John the Apostle. John the Apostle, the Bible says that his disciple whom Jesus loved now, I've got to tell you something. Matthew didn't write that. Luke didn't write that. John wrote that. John wrote that about himself, that Jesus loved me the most. Like, God loves Pastor Brendan. He likes Pastor Rick, but he loves Pastor Brendan more. He loves Pastor Rick. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter how much Pastor Rick knows that God loves him if I don't know love, God loves me. Because that disempowers me. I've got to reflect on God's love for me. God, you love Brendan. God, before I did anything, before I was formed in my mother's womb, you loved me. And when I know God's love for me, I'm able to give that to others. So you could be here and you could be a host. And I, I jokingly encourage you to look at another host and say, God likes you, but he loves me. I dare you to look at your wife or your husband and say, he likes you, but he loves me. Because when you understand God's love for you, it changes the way you see everything. It changes the way you think about people. 
changes the way you're having conversations, changes the way you, you speak and act. Because God's love is real, it's tangible. And so you start to think on God's love and it eradicates that fear that can cripple you. Amen? And the last, uh, number three is this, goodness is a way of speaking. Goodness is a way of speaking. Goodness is a way of seeing. Goodness is a way of thinking. And goodness is a way of speaking. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance of things we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Listen to this. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so what was seen was not made out of what was visible. So the Bible talks about how God framed the world by his words. He commanded the universe, and it was so. And we start to look in the book of Genesis how God's creation narrative works, and it says this, and God said God saw, God said, God saw, God said, and God saw. And whatever God said, he saw. He said that it was good. Whatever God said, he saw, and he said that it was good. So here's the thing. If God framed the world by his command, then you and I get to frame our world by our command. You and I get to frame our marriages by our words. You and I get to frame our children's future by our words. You and I get to frame our business by our words. You and I get to frame our finances by our words. You and I get to frame. If we take on the spirit that is in God, then we actually have the same authority. See, listen to this. God's word in my mouth is just as good as God's word in his mouth. Because I'm not making up the word here. I'm just preaching what the word of God says. And when I preach the word of God, when, and it says what it says in there, then God is anointing his word. Because in Jeremiah, it says God watches over his word to perform it. He's just looking for people who are going to start to speak what he speaks. And when we start to declare what God's word says about us, and we start to frame the world in which we see. Here's the thing. If you don't like what you're seeing, then you might want to think about changing what you're speaking. Our words, our words frame our world, our outlook, and our perspective. Amen? Words build up. Words encourage. Or words tear down. Words are life. Or words are death. Words can make someone win or make someone lose. I found a poem, and it's by Amaka Atali. I love this poem, and it says this. Words can make one happy, and words can bend one's mind. Words can make one grumpy, but words can also make one kind. Words can illuminate a man, and words can make one weep. Words can hurt so much that a man cannot even sleep. Words can hide the truth, and words can strike the heart. Words can provoke the youth to make a revolution start. Shout out, rise youth. Words can give one freedom, and words can push one to heights. Only words have such power to separate the wrongs and the rights. Words are more than missiles that can make just one die, but words, if hit, cause much damage that makes someone forget to try. Words before being spoken are under our total control, but words after we speak those words, we fall under its control. It's pretty powerful. 
Your words have weight. Your words have influence. Your words can bring life and health and healing to somebody. Your words can bring care and concern or your words can bring division. Your words can bring critical spirits. Your words can tear down something that God is trying to build. Let's be a people. Like in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, it says they were together with one spirit and they had one language and they spoke the same thing in terms of they weren't all the same. They didn't have all the same conversations, but their spirit was the same, that they're going to speak life over each other. They're going to speak belief over each other. They're going to speak God's promise over each other. And as they did, the book of Acts, we know what happens. The church was birthed and out of that, we saw a massive revival. Our words are powerful. Archbishop Desmond Tutu says this, language is very powerful. Language does not just describe reality. Language creates the reality it describes. Think about your family right now. If you're married in here, think about your marriage. What kind of marriage do you want? See, because what you see for your marriage is what you begin to think for your marriage. And then you begin to speak that into your marriage. So if you're seeing through an eye of comparison and you're, you're scrolling on Instagram, you're looking at all those, you know, those influ influencer couples and you start scrolling and they're like traveling the world and she's holding his hand. And they're taking these screenshots and it's like, oh my gosh, why is my marriage not like that? Because it's not reality, right? But we see someone else's highlight reel and we start to compare our lowlights, and so we start seeing like that, and we go, well, why? We start thinking, well, why doesn't she treat me like that guy treats his husband on Instagram? I mean, her, his wife. And we start thinking these things, and then you know what we start saying? Well, you don't love me like such and such loves his wife. And we start speaking it. And we wonder why our, our marriages start to decline and decay. But, but imagine if we shifted that. And you looked at your wife, and like I said this morning, my wife is like hot as San Antonio, Texas weather, right? And you start speaking life over your wife, and you start complimenting her for the good things that she does. She's not perfect, but you start complimenting, you start thinking about dates, and you're talking about dates. And one of the things that we just did is we downloaded this, these cards, and, and it has questions about, about your, your partner's desires and, and wants and, and um, her beliefs and her dreams. And, and so we sit down, and we, and we have these conversations at dinner where it's not just sitting there like many couples that just sit there at dinner, and you've seen them, and they pick up their phones and just scrolling while they got their partner sitting right in front of them. I don't know why I'm talking about marriages because I didn't talk about this, but someone needs to hear this in this service. I just feel the Holy Spirit put this on my heart to share. And, and, and so what happens is you see these marriages that at one point were so intimate at the day when they stood at the altar, but they've just grown distant. And then they think there's no solve or there's no solution or it's just the way it is and we're just going different ways. Well, how about today you start to go the same way? And how about you lean back into Scripture? And how about you lean back into what God's Word says about your wife and what, you, what God's Word says about your husband? And you start speaking over them and, and, and you start loving them the way that the Bible talks about loving your spouse. Do you know that God can do a miracle still in your marriage? Someone in here is going through it with your marriage and I don't know who you are, but I feel strongly in the Holy Spirit to let you know today that God says your marriage is still salvageable and He can still do a miracle in that marriage. It's not over. It's not finished. God 
God is not the one who cancels. He's the one who graces. And so today, I don't know who that is, but someone needed to hear that this morning, that God can still save your marriage. Amen? And number four, this is okay. God's way of, is seeing. Goodness is a way of thinking. Goodness is a way of speaking. And number four, goodness is a way of living intentionally. And why do I say the word intentionally? Because all of us are living, but many people don't live on purpose. Many people don't live on intentionality. They live their life nine to five, going through the grind, through the rat race, and they go through week after week after week and nothing's changing. But how many of you know that a little bit of intentionality and purpose can change someone's destiny? I walked into a pizza restaurant just recently um, in San Francisco. And as I walked in there, there was uh, two staff members. There was a girl, she was out the back cooking the pizzas on the fire oven. And there was this young African-American guy. He was, he was quite overweight and he was about 30-something years old. And I ordered my pizza and I kind of just stepped back and I thought, no one else is here. We can have a conversation. So I leaned, I said, man, what's, how's your life? What's going on? And he was so warm and kind, and we just started having this conversation, and he started telling me about his two sons and how um, he was feeling the stress of inflation and, and how he's trying to put food on the table for them, and he's working in this pizza restaurant that wasn't really paying him well, and, and he's like, man, I just, I, I really, this season's very tough, you know, and he's talking about all of the stuff that I feel as well, because it, it's not like anyone's exempt from inflation or anyone's exempt from all of these things that are going on in our world, and I'm feeling it, so I'm feeling for him, and and he's telling me, oh, yeah, you know, like, I just like putting food on the table. I'm just trying to get my kids through, and I want to get them to college. And, and so we get to the end. I pay for my pizza, give him the cash tip, and, and then I pull out of my wallet a, a voucher for 100 bucks. It was a, um, a Safeway voucher for groceries. I said, hey, man, I just want to bless you, and I just want you to have this, and uh, it's a $100 voucher. Whatever you need to do, fill the fridge, whatever. And he's like, he starts crying. And he's like, but, but why would you do that? And I just looked back at him. I said, because I can. But here's the thing. The only reason that I can is because last time I went into Safeway, I intentionally thought about people I could bless. So I bought a whole bunch of vouchers and put them in my wallet. So in case a situation like that came up, that person wouldn't just taste and see a human being, but they would taste and see that God sees them, that God is for them. And I was able to encourage him. Can I tell you, he's straight away, he's bawling his eyes out. He asked the lady, can you just take over this whole shop? I need to get some air and go to the restroom. So he goes out and then I see him and he's walking around. And he's talking to his wife. He's like, you're not going to believe this. Some guy I don't even know. He just gave me this voucher for us. And, babe, I'm, and, and he's crying. He goes, we're blessed. We're blessed. And I'm sitting there going, yes, you are. God loves you. God sees you. But if we're going to see a city, if we're going to see San Antonio, if we're going to see our high schools, if we're going to see our colleges, if we're going to see our workplaces, find the goodness of God, well, the way that they see the goodness of God is through you and me. They taste and see that the Lord is good. 
And just like Jensen, they could have been walking around squinty-eyed, but all of a sudden they get a lens of grace put on their life or a lens of generosity, and they're like, oh my gosh, I can see clearly now that God does have a plan for my life, that God sees me in my pain, that God sees me in my struggle, because they tasted and seen that in the midst of all of this badness, There's goodness. In the midst of whatever the media is pushing, God's goodness. In the midst of division, when people are pulling at each other and hatred's running rampant, God doesn't play any favorites. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. You could say black nor white, but all are one in Christ. And that happens because of goodness. God's goodness unifies us. And so what happens is what happens is this. Like David says, I see it all, Lord. I see the madness. I see the badness. But I am confident that despite it all, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land that I live. So you can be confident to walk out of here going, hey, there's goodness to my left and there's goodness to my right. There's goodness in front of me and there's goodness behind me. Wherever I go, God's goodness and his mercy are following me all the days of my life according to the scripture. So you don't have to look back over your shoulder and look for fear. You don't have to look for insecurity. You can be confident that as you walk into your week this week, as you walk into youth camp, as you walk into wherever you've got to go, that as you are walking... You got, yep, goodness, yep, mercy, yeah, goodness, yeah, mercy. Yeah, God's goodness and mercy is everywhere I go. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting summitsa.com.